0: You're listening to Heart of the Ark podcast from the Office for Evangelization in the Archdiocese of Newark. We're coming to you to bring knowledge and some courage as we voyage through this life as missionary disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. My name is Jennifer Benke, and I'm co hosting this podcast with my friend and colleague, Father John Gordon. Hello and welcome to the Heart of the Ark podcast, the podcast from the Archdiocese of Newark Office for Evangelization. My name is Jennifer Banke and I'm joined today by my friend, my colleague, my spiritual advisor for all things, Father John Gordon, thank you for being on the podcast again. It's been a while.
1: Yes, it has, Jennifer, and it's it's good to be here. I am so thrilled that we do this. uh, We, you, (laughs) basically uh, drive this engine of the podcast, for which I think it has been such a great blessing. I'd love to be able to point it uh, out to others. I love hearing people speak about hearing the podcast and getting life from it. So, thank you for all the work you do, the various guests you bring on, and I am glad that we are able to have this conversation, because I love to hear about what you've been doing uh, with some of these podcasts and then see how we can uh, together go deeper in the truth that they invite us all to.
0: Well, thanks. Thanks for that, Father. Um, So recently, uh, our most recent episodes, we spoke to Cheryl Riley, who also- is somebody who works with you for you, but we all work to, for Father. We all work for Father John. Um, <laughs> Lord but <have> mercy. <laughs> but um, and you know, Cheryl had this. We had this great conversation about even when she's afraid. That the perfect love of God has driven out the fear in her heart, even when in all throughout her ministry and and the mercy of God has been the overwhelming uh, gift that she has received and that then she wants to turn around and bring others to understanding of. And that's how the Mercy Houses have grown forward. And that's just, it's so beautiful and inspiring
1: to see her work. It is truly. And it also reminds us that passage from, I think it's one John, that the opposite of love isn't so much hate as it is fear. Yes. Because fear makes us draw into ourselves, makes us very, very introspective and not thinking about others. And only... Love can cast out that fear, a perfect love of which we are incapable. And thanks be to God, it's not about our love for one another. It's about the perfect love that Jesus is, not that just Jesus, but Jesus is as the very embodiment of the Father's love, and that it does drive out fear. It does strengthen us. It does encourage us, and it does empower us. And and you know, God bless Cheryl, because the work that she does, uh, there's plenty of reason to fear hmm. because of either where she does it or the kinds of ways in which it's attacked, or just the exhaustion that is on her person. And yet there's a relentlessness that she has that's not just on her personality, which is very strong in <laughs> itself, but a personality inflamed with God's love. Amen. Amen. Um, we heard
0: that also recently um, from one of our other colleagues who's just stepped away um, to retirement is Andy Schaefer. Yes. God, uh, What, a, what an ex- a wonderful example of really understanding God's love and then using that to inform your life, you see, on the Archdiocese.
1: This would be a good apostolic success. Now he's retired. I know he's going to be going to Africa, I think on a safari if I'm not mistaken, but if we can get him on a podcast yes. about uh, his ministry with Catholic cemeteries of almost 40 years, and his vision of it as an evangelistic arm of the church, and his eagerness, and the the very andeisms that they talked about were also positive and upbuilding. Dear listeners, this was an occasion where a man was being honored, uh, and the kinds of things were being said about him that say, "Oh, I hope they could say that about me someday." Amen. Because it was just uh, mm-hmm. the genuineness, the warmth, the enthusiasm, the kindness that he has uh, was overwhelming. Very beautiful, very beautiful event. It was.
0: I think there wasn't a dry eye in the room and, you know, there are some, there's some stony faced people sitting in that room, but we were all very moved by, yes. by our encounter of Andy Yes, right? and, and therefore the encounter of Christ through Andy. Yes, And then um, at most recently, my, my episode with uh, Lisa Lawmaster Hess was about loving yourself in imperfection because we, we have to start somewhere loving the people that you live with in their imperfect ways and habits, and then trying to build in love to build a more sustainable home, a more sustainable life that will bring joy and peace to the people who are in our direct space every day. So that was a big theme of this imperfectness. And I thought, you know, following up on these two conversations coming right, we're we're coming right up against Lent now. Let's talk about imperfection, because we we all start Lent feeling like creating me a new l- heart, That's right. right? That's like, right. You know, we, fix me up, God. I'm broken.
1: Yeah, we're, we're going to either hear repent and believe in the good news of the gospel, or remember that you are dust and unto dust you shall return. We'll hear that on Ash Wednesday, uh, most likely. And and the reality is uh, that that Lent, in one sense, is the church's almost signature season liturgically. It's the one that we are very spiritually aware of. Uh, Many people are willing to do something above and beyond their typical routines. Um, the church offers a whole lot more than we might typically offer during the year for people to grow in their spiritual life. So Lent is a very, very significant time that's kind of gripped our imagination for 2,000 years, and, and rightly so, because of all that the history that has brought us to this moment and the possibilities of it. But when we speak about imperfections, one of the things that um, Lent will be focusing on, of course, is to repent, yes. you know. And and confession will be available. I want to encourage our listeners to not just wait for the end of Lent to go to confession, but to maybe go to confession in preparation for Lent, and then again at the end of Lent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we used to speak of uh, the day before Ash Wednesday is sometimes known as Mardi Gras or Fat Tuesday, or Carnavale, which is goodbye to meat. But it also has an old title called Shrove Tuesday, and to Shrove to Shrive is to be forgiven. So you would be a day of being forgiven given for your sins, you'd go to confession. So that's just a thought. But one of the things about confession and imperfection that comes to my mind is when we prepare, uh, examine our conscience for going to confession, we be, are invited to become aware of the imperfection, become aware of the movement of sin in our lives so that we can own it and repent of it and experience forgiveness and please God healing as well. I want to encourage our listeners, indeed all the people of God, to be not only aware of the movement of sin in our lives but the movement of grace in our lives because we only need, we need to grasp that, let that grasp us because it 's through those. Experiences of grace that be lifted beyond my imperfection. Yes. Imperfection does not get me out of imperfection. No. Grace does. Yes. And I need to know that just as there is a movement of sin in my life, imperfection, there's also a movement of grace in my life. And I might not be as resp- I might not be as generous with the grace as I am generous with the temptation, <laughs> but it's there. Mm-hmm. It's there. And if I can be attentive to it, I'm going to be much more able to take advantage of all the other. Tw- that the Lord and the church offer for me to experience a very positive Lent.
0: Absolutely. That actually follows right off of that last, uh, that last podcast we had, which was, you know, we all have different strengths, and, and rather than trying to look at the ways in which we need to get better because these are our deficiencies, you know, looking at the ways in which we are uniquely strong... What are the ways in which we can uniquely manage this, the world and, and help the people around us and then grow in those strengths as well? So, um, it's a little positive psychology, but with the, the same outcome, right? We're trying to become more perfect. We're, we're all on the journey of becoming.
1: Correct. And the truth of the matter is that when we see people, for example, who have a um, physical disability or handicap, especially one that may have come from birth, they might, they're doing things that we could never, whatever it might be. And we marvel at that, but they're not thinking, oh, I don't have hands. I can't do this. But what I do have, I work with and I grow with. So they don't allow the, the, imperfections, if I may, in quotes, uh, suggest that, and I, and I may in me, no means mean that in a moral sense for persons with any kind of physical handicap, but the idea is that they're not looking at what they're missing. They're looking at what they can use with what they have. Amen. And that, I think, is what we want to apply to the spiritual life as well, or just our sense of our own character. There's some areas that I'm not good at, some areas I am good at. Some areas are areas of temptation for me. Others areas are not temptation for me, but they might be for another man. And so the awareness of that, the self-awareness that we can get from that is a great gift for us to, to grow in the spiritual life, to, to take advantage of this opportunity to grow in perfect love ourselves.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was just listening to an interview with a priest. He's an Australian priest, um, and he's a canon lawyer, and he's also profoundly blind. He very, he sees very little. Um, and he, he mentioned that yes, okay, his, yes, he's a better listener, but he also is blessed because of this to have a incredible memory. Mm. And so his memory has been, uh, developed from not being always able to refer back and look directly at what, what he's referring to, but he's got to remember, you know, the canon law as, wow. you know, as, as immense as that is, mm-hmm. and he can, he, you know, he can navigate in that through his ministry.
1: That's wonderful. Yeah. I can't even remember my to-do list.
0: Right, my which, shopping list. I, yeah, exactly. I forgot garlic. I <laughs> live in New Jersey. I forgot garlic. <laughs> what is
1: happening? Oh Lord, have mercy. Oh, my well, let's before we go down these rabbit holes of, yes. of those kinds of things. Um, you, you invited me to kind of think about Lent for a little bit. Yes, you know? yes, sorry. And, and that's quite all right. That's quite all right. And uh, I love Lent. I love all the liturgical seasons, uh, dear listeners. I truly do. Uh, but I love Lent because there's a uh, there's a strength to it. Lent knows what it's about. Uh, Lent is going to do its thing whether I am attentive to it or not. Lent is just going to press on and march on, and I'm invited to kind of go along with it or to not, as fully or as lack of generously as I could. Uh, but it begins, of course, with Ash Wednesday and the gospel from the Sermon on the Mount of uh, the call to prayer, fasting, and almsgiving which are the pillars of Lent, as it were. And the first Sunday of Lent, we're going to hear about the temptation of Jesus in the desert. Mm-hmm. And those disciplines of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, they somehow also kind of correspond to the temptations of the Lord. And the temptations of Jesus gets while he's after the 40 days in the desert are the temptations we have. So, to turn the stone into bread, the temptation for materialism, the temptation to make answers for ourselves um, and and to to rely on the stuff of the world out there, and the antidote for that is to fast, to realize i don't need everything I think I want mm-hmm. you know, and uh the next temptation to throw yourself down from the mountain and the angels will catch you the the antidote to which is giving, in the sense of uh, the temptation to um, to to gather all the things to yourself, so maybe it is a, uh, the, the the worship of the world, but the other one is that to worship the enemy and not God, uh, to misplace who God is, and the, the the antidote to that, of course, is prayer. And so, while all these are true, I think we maybe later on we can touch about how, while they are all things that we can do within ourselves to grow in personal strength and holiness, Lent is. The Christian life is not just about me and Jesus, as it were. Right. It, it demands that it be spilling out because the commandment is to love God and to love one another, to love our neighbor. So maybe we can kind of touch base with that, especially if we get towards the end of this podcast.
0: Yeah, absolutely. With some of our calls to action, yeah, right? Exactly. Yes.
1: Because, but I do want to address some of the things about how there is a certain interior battle, an interior way in which we want to uh, take advantage of Lent. The other thing I think that one of the reasons I love Lent is the liturgies of Lent. They're so beautiful and powerful and have such a a wisdom and strength to them. And although the liturgy is not primarily pedagogical or about teaching, it has a pedagogical uh, element to it, especially in Lent. And and dear listeners, one of the things you'll notice is uh, apart from the Sundays of Lent, uh, the weekday readings of Lent uh, from Ash Wednesday up to the Saturday of the third week of Lent is an relentless call to perfection to go the extra mile, to turn the other cheek, to forgive not seven times, but seventy times seven times, uh, to, to the generosity. And we'll hear this over and over and over again. And it will drive you to a relentless, almost discouragement, I can't. It's like running a marathon when you're on empty. And the call to it is just relentless. It's nonstop. And there's a way in which you can find yourself saying, I just can't. Lord, I just can't. No, please. I need – no, I can't keep on going. I've hit that wall, so to speak. And then after the fourth Sunday of Lent – the, the daily mass readings, the gospel will always be from John. And it's a presentation of the person of Jesus. And it's like, oh. There's the solution. There's the, the solution to this relentless call to perfection that I am unable to satisfy. I might think I could do it in the beginning. And for the first week or two of Lent, many of us are faithful to our Lenten uh, uh, resolutions. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. But somehow after the first week, maybe 10 days or so of Lent, we might find ourselves, oh, I have slept in or I forgot to fast or I ate dessert, whatever it might be that we were giving up, as it were. We forgot about it and because it was just too much. It's just overwhelming. And it is. There's a way in which I'm going to fail at Lent so that I can let Jesus carry me, that I can let Jesus kind of um, draw me to himself. And so I think that's a very wonderful aspect of how Lent is this uh, teacher, as it were, uh, to help us Recognize our need for the Lord.
0: Like we should fail at Lent. I think so. Especially in in setting our goals, right? So we don't want something that's so easy to do. It's so easy to say, oh, that lifts right out. Well, then that's not really, that's not going to be a a transformational practice for 40 days, right? Like we want something that's really going to, it's going to challenge us, but we also don't want something that's so difficult to accomplish that... There's no hope of it, and you're constantly feeling like you're behind the eight ball. That's, that's right. just that's just untenable, in, and it's not good. It's not good for any part of your body, right? Your Correct. body, soul, and. Uh, emotions you're just always going to feel sh- uh, shame and which is not what god calls us to right that perfect love drives out
1: fear right That's exactly right and so the realization is that there's that sweet spot in lent as it were in which it pushes me beyond my quote unquote comfort zone pushes me beyond my typical patterns of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving in terms of generosity, in terms of discipline, in terms of turning to the Lord, whatever it might be. And uh, at the same time, it's not like I'm going to climb Mount Everest tomorrow. Right. You know, um, so there is a way in which—so th- but so that's why the relentless call to perfection is one in which— I do this, but it's at a great price, and it's a price that is unsustainable, it seems to me, until I realize, oh, I'm, I'm not alone here. And, and that brings us to, I think, another aspect of Lent, which I think is also very important, and that's this, uh, an awareness of the history of it, so to speak. So, from my understanding, Lent began as a time of preparation for the catechumens, uh, who were to be baptized at the Easter Vigil, at the Easter Sacraments. Um, and so they would be baptized and confirmed and receive the Eucharist, uh, the adult baptismal waste in, in the early church. So the time of Lent was a time of immediate preparation for them. And then it kind of grew as an opportunity for the whole church to have like almost a spiritual retreat in preparation for Easter. But more than just – not more than, but in addition to and perhaps uh, – very, very um, wonderfully aware of for ourselves is that Lent is our own retreat as it were, as a people of God in preparation for the renewal of our baptism promises that will make it Easter, either Easter Vigil or Easter Sunday. And so that's a wonderful uh, reality that we're invited to recognize all the time. Now that we have the holy water back in the fonts, for example, in the church, when we come into the church or leave the church, we bless ourselves with that holy water. It's a reminder of baptism, mm-hmm. that I'm that, um, strengthened that baptism. Or we uh, when something is blessed with the holy water, that it be protected from the enemy, that it would be guarded against all danger, uh, that the power of the sacrament of baptism, which, dear friends, is of immense value, huge. The sacrament of baptism is overwhelming. And the Sundays in Lent in particular help us do that. Yeah. You know, between the the temptation of Jesus, the transfiguration, uh, and the other kinds of elements that we read during the Sundays. And that's also why, for example, we have the option, during the Lent and Easter seasons, to use the Apostles' Creed uh, for the Creed at Mass rather than the Nicene Creed, because the Apostles' Creed is what we'll use for baptism and the renewal of baptism. And so it kind of prepares us. We get used to this prayer. And yes, I believe, I believe, I believe. And so when we're asked that at, at Easter, and we'll be asked, you know, to, to, to respond, do you reject Satan and all his empty promises? And I want to encourage our listeners as strong. Strongly as your faith allows, to cry out, "I do." Do you believe in God, the Father, Creator of heaven and earth? I do. And on and on. It's just a wonderful. And then the priest goes through and blesses us with holy water. Don't miss that. Let that blessing come after you. And if take he your mi- glasses off first. If, but- if he misses, you say, "Come <laughs> back, come back," you know, or at least grab the holy water on your way out yourself, because it's just such a wonderful reminder that I have been set aside for the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, He has made promises to me. We have made promises to each other at baptism. I'm renewing that promise of him to me and me to him, so that I can live in the grace of being a priest, prophet, king. I can live faithful to the commission to uh, make disciples of all nations. I can I can live in in the freedom of prayer, fasting, and alms giving. I can live in the joy that God gives us. He says, "I came that you might have life and have it abundantly." Mm -hmm. And and Lent is a doorway for that for us.
0: Amen. And you know you mentioned that it it's a retreat for us it's it's this it's this opportunity of reflection and i want to also uh mention that you know so many parishes do these extra events they either do an extra worship night or extra confessions or they do a parish mission or they do you know uh you know maybe your music ministry has a, a a prayer night of of musical stations lacrosse or something mm-hmm. do something that challenges you that can be like a you know a, to reconsider lent in a different way so i know You're doing a mission at the parish where I serve, and I'm excited. Yeah, I am too. I am
1: too. I love doing parish missions. I love the opportunity to kind of uh, build with the community of faith um, something. You know, each evening is complete in itself in a certain way, but for those who are able to go to each of the evenings, they can build upon one another. I think the Stations of the Cross, which almost most churches offer, especially on a Friday, um, I, I want to encourage our listeners to enter into the grace of that. The Stations of the Cross were established at a time when people could not go to Jerusalem because (laughs) it was uh, under a power that would not let us be there. It was like taking the grace of being, walking the steps of Jesus um, and Dear listeners, you don't have to do it with the group. You can do that privately on your own. Right. Uh, and, and there's all sorts of little aids that can help us. Uh, maybe we can put in the show notes some of the references sure. and the ways people can kind of access uh, some of the opportunities for Stations of the Cross.
0: You know, that's so important, especially this year when uh, Jerusalem. we can't be in Jerusalem. Correct. I, I mean, it's so important this year to really take up that practice of the Stations of the Cross. And there's the traditional Stations of the Cross, and then I also want to encourage for those who don't know, um, John Paul II put out the scriptural stations of the cross, which are um, 14 stations. And I like to pray those on the f- first Fridays of the month, especially if, if the Blessed Sacrament is
1: is exposed. exposed, the exposition? exposed.
0: It, because then you're taking the scripture of th- the scriptural stations sure. of the cross. So it, it adds like a different lens through which to focus mm-hmm. on the passion of Christ. And I think that's, you know, Having these different perspectives, oh, challenging yourself to under, like, understand where somebody else is coming from or or open to a new way of thinking about our faith just informs our faith in how good
1: God is. Your parish might also offer a particular special adult faith formation opportunity, right. maybe a Bible study or something along those kinds of lines, um, maybe a mini pilgrimage one day. I just want to encourage our listeners to seek opportunities to go deeper, to beg the Lord to say, Lord, I want to be ready for Lent, to begin to make some decisions in your own heart about how you want to observe Lent this year uh, in terms of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. We'll get we'll get to that again in a minute. Um, but just to recognize that, uh, to not let catch us by surprise, as it were. Now, Lent this year is, Feb- Ash Wednesday this year is February the 14th. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thanks to Hallmark, we also know it as Valentine's Day, <laughs> and and I was reading a commentary very recently, maybe even today, that spoke of maybe that's not uh, an unfortunate coincidence, but it's not but to remind us that Lent is about God's love for us, yes. not so much about our discipline that we do or the punishment that I deserve because of my sin, for example, or any of those kinds of things that are there that are that are have our facts about the life but the truth about it is that God loves me and the love he has for me he invites me to an imitation of him to allow his spirit to be grow more deeply in me that his character is formed more perfectly in me and brothers and sisters that's what we want because that's what heaven is about you know um what we shall be is not yet been revealed, but when it is, we know we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he truly is. This is what we're made for. This is the destination we're going to. And if we can use everything that the Lord gives us, especially the holy season of Lent, as an opportunity to kind of really grow in this, to kind of like jump ahead a couple of classes, as it were, so that I'm all the more ready for the day of glory when it comes to me you know and and that's just a wonderful wonderful privilege
0: i remember a couple of years ago that was on ash wednesday it wasn't it wasn't too too long ago and my choir was had been practicing a specific song and it was it was called i choose love mm. right and the the circumstances under which it was written was as a memorial for um one of the the mass shooting that happened in the um the church uh, the bible um the Bible uh, group, Bible study group in Charlotte, and um, we we were all ready to sing this song, and it was very emotional. And I, in the midst of pain, I choose love, um, and it, it's just that's just kind of the refrain of the song. I choose love, and then um, that happened to be the same day that there was another. That particular day, there was another mass shooting oh, in, a, right. at, um, in Florida, at the, at the school in Florida. And, um, you know, it was just like we have to we have to keep reminding ourselves that despite all of what is happening in the world around us, we have to choose love. We have to seek God and we have to remember that by our example of how to strive to follow his his example that that's the only way we can change the world like you said we can't you know hate is not the opposite of it's fear that's right,
1: right. that's yeah. right and to realize that the call to love is is sacrificial yes. you know if there's an image of that it's the cross yes and it's not it's it's a cross it's the crucifix not just the cross you know because uh christ without the cross is is just uh, this happy-go-lucky unreal uh attitude the cross without christ is just pain and suffering mm-hmm. but the crucifix the body and the wood combined so to speak is salvation yes yeah but I just want to encourage our listeners, uh, as you think about the disciplines of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, to think even more expansively than you may have thought about them before. So prayer isn't just saying more prayers or doing more devotional things, although those are certainly very worthwhile and good, good things to do. But prayer is also about the realization of my dependence on God, that my life is about a relationship with Him, and that As you've heard us say, uh, and especially if you're – those of you might be familiar with our school of prayer that we're offering, the goal of life is not prayer but its union with God and prayer is a privileged place for that. Uh, deepening and expressing that union. So how can I grow in communion with God as that? Right.
0: So so school of prayer. The Wednesday after Ash Wednesday, third Wednesday of February is February twenty first at seven PM, but we have snacks at six thirty at uh is school of prayer and in February we're looking at schools of spirituality. So it's gonna give us some Ideas, some mm-hmm. traditions of the church, um, some some traditions of our fathers and faith, holy helpers, how they have set up sc- these schools of prayer to um, help us become more perfect, so if you 're really stuck, come come check out february twenty okay. first because you, you might get some new ideas.
1: Or you might come, you might start, you might go to the Bible study in your parish. Right. Or if there's a prayer group in your parish, you might start going to that. Or there's a, a faith formation about prayer or the spiritual life, a way in which we grow in our love and our knowledge of God. Right. You know, and, and then fasting isn't just missing a meal. There are certain disciplines for Lent in terms of uh, fasting and uh, abstinence. And your parish bulletin will have information about it probably this Sunday uh, before Ash Wednesday. Uh, but Or you can go to our diocesan website, rcan.org, and I'm sure there'll be a link there to the Lenten obligations that we have. But more than that is about what can I discipline myself about so that it reminds me, it reminds me that I don't need what I want. Right. Um, even if what I want is what I need, it's not what I want to drive my life. So as much as I need food – I don't want food to be what drives me. as I need sleep, I don't want sleep to what drives me. But there are other things I can. Uh, maybe I can um, decide for this week I'm going to not hit the snooze alarm, or no second helpings, or you know cold showers, or whatever it might be. Some discipline I can use. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to go to bed if I haven't taken t- ten minutes of quiet prayer, or whatever it can be. Um, uh, maybe not to fasting from the television or other kinds of media that I don't need to have. So there's just a way in which I am I'm, I'm discipline myself that I choose that the life of grace is what runs my life and not my my bodily desires or needs even.
0: Right. You know, that's so important because we talked about the the way that God has to take precedence in our lives. So anything that distracts us really from... Deepening that relationship with God. We really, we really need to fast from. Yes. And, and even, even if you can only do it for 40 days, like (laughs) the church says, okay, try it out. See if it's possible because, um, there are studies that show once you've done something for six weeks, it becomes a habit, Mm -hmm. you know? So like, this is the time to try out. Like, do I really need to be on this Blah blah blah, social media, or do I really need to, you know, scroll through and and look on this in the morning, or would it be better if I spent more time with my family or my kids mm-hmm. or in prayer with the Lord? So,
1: or I limit myself to once a day or whatever it might be right. that it might not be a total withdrawal from something, because sometimes I need access to some of these right. things based on what I do. And but the like is the, the the point, dear listeners, is that we are conscious about choosing. How we live our lives, and then that last one about alms giving—that uh, is really a great invitation to do more than just kind of um, give money to the poor. That is certainly a special place for that, but to somehow uh, be somewhat more directly involved with caring for those who have less. Mm-hmm. Whether it be volunteering the soup kitchen or whether it be uh, making sandwiches and helping distribute them on these midnight runs that sometimes are happening Mm -hmm. uh, for poorer neighborhoods or – reaching out to someone uh, in your church or in your family, in your neighborhood that tends to be more isolated or in greater need for whatever reason. And we have a variety of opportunities within the archdiocese itself. And so the people that we're very close to that would be more than welcoming of persons uh, and their interests to help them uh, grow in the grace of generosity.
0: Yeah. You know, we just mentioned that on the end of the last episode about the ways in which you can, uh, what, what Mercy House can uh, use, um, looking at what is really usable before we put it, we just put it in a Catholic charity bin. Like, let's be conscientious of whether or not it's usable. It's not just trash. And then also... Um, thinking about other ways, like if we've got really nice suits or really nice work clothes, maybe calling up a local college or a local high school, or if they have a closet, like a professional closet, finding ways to give the things that we have that w- can benefit others because God has given us so much. Or as you said, the ways in which we can do alms giving by being there for someone um, in pain, mm-hmm. someone in in uh, poverty, someone who needs, um, you know, maybe maybe it's taking an elderly neighbor grocery shopping and mm-hmm. helping them push the cart and just making sure their fridge is full. You know, maybe it's not the money so much as the drive. That's you right. Know? That's there are right. other things we can do that can be considered almsgiving, uh, you know, taking somebody to a doctor's appointment. Mm-hmm. That's, that's certainly a... a a, a gift of time and and treasure
1: I know, for example, that there are organizations that help, uh, say, people newly released from prison mm-hmm. to get the clothes they need to be able to go on a job interview. Yes. Or there's also organizations that will uh, take donated prom dresses mm-hmm. or bridesmaids dresses that, ladies, come on, you're not going to wear them again, most likely. And they'll use them for kids who can't afford a prom dress, but they want to have something like that for themselves. And so that's those are great opportunities to think beyond the self. And with Mercy House in particular, now that we have three locations, I want to encourage our people not just to drop it off someplace, but to make an appointment to go to the Mercy House with whatever you want to offer and, and get a tour, see who comes to the place, see what kind of things they have and what kind of ways in which you can serve. Uh, I know they rely on a lot of volunteers. They yes. have a dedicated core of volunteers that are, that are there very, very steady. Those are volunteers who come on an occasional basis and the like. And, and Cheryl and the staff at Mercy House will never say, oh, we have enough help. We don't need you.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> no. Uh, You might not be doing what you want to do, but that's part of the sacrifice, you know. But the idea is that if the commandment is to love God and to love my neighbor, and if the parable of the Good Samaritan answers the question, who is my neighbor? Mm -hmm. Then, dearest friends, I know of no better way to somehow live that out than by either Mercy House or some other ways in which I... Personally take an interest in the needs of another. I remember once when uh, we had a lady who lived across the street when was, we were growing up. An older lady, at this point, she had, she was a widow and so that um, we had a blackout. And so uh, my brother and I went over to her house to see if she needed anything. And uh we rang the doorbell. The doorbell didn't work, obviously. We knocked on the door and banged. Now, we knew she was home. We knew she was home. And she was terrified that who are these strangers knocking on the door? Now, luckily, we knew uh, the lady's daughter. She was friends with my mom who called her up and uh, told us we were able to go over there. She didn't need anything. But it was just a way I realized, why did we wait till there was this blackout to knock on this door of this lady because then we were strangers. Right. When there was a need that we could have served, like, but why would, why did we wait till then? Mm -hmm. So don't have to wait, dear friends, to, and you don't have to go to the poorest person. If you have a neighbor that you don't even know who they are, Knock on their door, say hello, invite them over, invite yourself over. The Zacchaeus ministry, you know, (laughs) Jesus to Zacchaeus. I'm going to stay at your house today. I'm going to come to you and have a coffee. I'll be the coffee, uh, but uh, whatever it might be, just to realize we're not alone and help other people to realize they are not alone. Yes.
0: Or the pruning shears, right, to get Zacchaeus out of the... (laughs) the (laughs) No, um, I just, I, I think that that's so important. And, you know, it's not only these... Uh it's it's not only that like the doing of the good is helpful to the person who receives it. I just I wanna share that I was part of a ministry. We uh we, we made room in a in one of our uh properties to accept uh refugees in. And that ministry has kind of gone by the wayside because of the ways in which immigration has changed. However, on Christmas Day I got a text And they've moved. They've since moved um, to Houston. But I got a text from Mom, Dad, and the baby, uh, the little boy who moved in was in second grade when when they came. He's now in seventh grade, and they have two more babies, and she's got a pregnant belly now. Like we made space for a Mom, Dad, and a little boy, right? So we made we made we we gave them the stable, and on Christmas Day. They said, Jennifer, you mean so much to us. You're still our Christmas gift.
1: Wow, that's great.
0: And so I took that and I I shared it with the other people in the ministry. And I said, you know, like, we all need to remember that, like, we made the stable, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, we, We gave the home to this family. And that's a gift that just I cherish. And it it's not what I did for them. It's that, that it gives back to me how much goodness that I was able to affect. And it it, it props me up for when things don't feel like we can change them. Mm-hmm. You know, but here is like a, a tangible experience of, of being given back um, God's love.
1: And it was grace. It was yeah. grace that brought it, that, that allowed you to make that act of generosity and get the other people to be involved and grace on their part to receive it well. And so dear listeners, once again, the reminder that don't be surprised or dismayed about the failure that we experienced during Lent, but rather let it be an opportunity for us to cling to the Lord who is pouring himself out for us. Mm-hmm. May this Lent be a, a time of God's victory in us in the midst of our failure. What did the Lord say to St. Paul in 2 Corinthians, I think, um, when he begged to be freed of a burden that was bothering him? Uh, no, He said, um, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Mm-hmm. So, Lord, let us be the people of such weakness that your power shines through.
0: Amen. Amen. Father, will you give us a final blessing? I'd be
1: honored to. Thank you. Father in heaven, from whom every family and heaven and earth is, takes its name, I beg a blessing upon us, upon all our listeners and their families and all those who... I uh, long for you, Lord God, and uh, may your blessing be poured out in such generosity that all might come to know you and recognize you and receive you and welcome you. May we, Lord God, be profoundly changed by your love and blessing. And we ask this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. God bless you all that are friends at the Heart of the Ark podcast, and we look forward to seeing you and hearing you soon.
0: Heart of the Ark podcast is an initiative by the Office for Evangelization at the Archdiocese of Newark. If you want to find us online, you can find us at rcan.org/slash-evangelization. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. Very soon, we'll be updating our social media for the Heart of the Ark, but you can find us on Fireside Podcasts at Heart of the Ark. Dot fireside.fm. our theme song is composed by and orchestrated by eric hunter a dear friend of mine you can find out more about eric and his performances and compositions at eric e-r-i-c hunter h-u-n-t-e-r music.com this has been a pleasure and i look forward to hearing from you and speaking with you in the future